Hello, my name is Pepper, and I have not had any emotions since I was born. Probably many people would like to be in my place so as not to worry about their problems, but trust me, it's very difficult to live like this. When I was just born, no one could even think that something was wrong with me. Like all babies, I just cried and slept and asked for food. But only a year later, my parents began to notice that I was really different from other kids. For example, the daughter of my mother's friend was already smiling at my age when she saw her parents or her favorite toy and cried a lot when she was left alone. My reaction to everything was neutral, and I only whimpered when I was in pain or wanted to eat. And the older I got, the more worried my parents got. They did not understand what was going on with me. When I was four years old, there occurred an incident that really puzzled them. As usual, I was running around the yard and playing when suddenly a neighbor's dog rushed towards me. It just broke off the leash and started barking loudly, trying to bite me. When the dog was taken away, I did not start crying or at least even screaming. I just took my doll and began to comb its hair as if nothing had happened. My parents thought that I was just in a state of shock because of the extreme stress and immediately took me to the doctor. After long examinations, I was diagnosed with a terrible condition called alexithymia. When my mother began to cry, I did not understand what was happening to her. It turns out that with this disease, my emotions cannot overcome a block in the cerebral cortex. That's why I also cannot recognize other people's emotions. This can be compared to colorblindness, with which a person cannot distinguish colors at all. But in my case, these were not colors, but inner sensations. So I was growing up in an emotional vacuum. Various events were happening around me, but I remained as cold-blooded as a robot. When I went into the first grade, my beloved grandmother passed away, and even then I could not feel anything. It was sometimes very difficult for my parents to educate me and teach me something. At first glance, I might seem aloof and even feeble-minded, but in fact, my brain was not distracted by emotions, so I perceived any information faster than others. Also, my illness blocked fear as well. I could not feel anything negative, therefore I had nothing to be afraid of. For example, unlike other people, I went to the dentist without any hesitation. But because of this disease, my body is too sensitive to pain. Since the time when I was born, I had a very low pain tolerance, and even stomach cramps or a small bruise became a terrible endurance test for me. Once, I had a horrible headache when I was at school. An ordinary person could easily cope with such an ailment, but for me, this became a real nightmare. Because of the unbearable pain, I wasn't able to speak for some time and was about to faint. No one noticed that I felt really bad because I still looked calm. While remaining conscious with great difficulty, I began to hum and pinch my hand to make myself cry. It took several more minutes before the teacher realized that I wasn't feeling well. Apart from pain, there was another problem, that is, communication with peers. Since the first grade, I had no friends at all. Some of the kids were just bored to play with a cold-hearted girl, and many of them were even afraid of me. You know, it's very difficult to interact with a person when they have a soulless mask instead of a face. A distant look in my eye and complete indifference pushed all the people away from me. I would like to say that it made me upset, but I cannot. Although subconsciously, I felt attachment towards the closest people, but I could not express this in any way. However, the older I got, the easier it was for me to communicate with others. Yes, I still did not show any emotions, but I could act interested with whoever it was possible to discuss various topics. 
Also, thanks to my cold mind, I was able to solve many teenage problems. When for some reason people lost their friends or loved ones, they often said that they envied me and dreamed of getting rid of all of their emotions so that they would never feel mental pain again. I did not understand their wish because it's very difficult to live without emotions. I cannot be happy or feel sympathy for anyone, and because of this, I have no friends. But I really wanted to share my secrets with someone as well, spend time together, and go to the movies. For many people, I was just an excellent advisor, but not a friend. But at some point, everything changed. After classes, I attended extracurricular Spanish lessons where I got acquainted with a new girl. Her name was Liz, and soon we started spending more time together. I felt comfortable when communicating with her because she would not ask about my illness like others did. Liz even taught me to smile realistically. You can't imagine how difficult it was to do this, but as a result, I could take a selfie with a charming smile. We also had a common hobby. We both loved to color in children's coloring books, and of course, we did not tell anyone about it. And one day, Liz noticed that I only used dark markers. I had to admit that these were the colors in which I saw the world around me. After several months had passed since we met, Liz invited me to her birthday party, and I presented her cool headphones that she had dreamed of for a long time. Liz burst into tears and said that she had never had such a close friend. Even after hearing such warm words, I did not react to them in any way because I could not. She noticed this and tried to cheer me up. At home, for the rest of the evening, I tried to understand myself because my heart was beating faster than usual and my stomach was cramping because of tension. I've read that this is how the body responds to anger. Apparently, today's situation with Liz's confession and my indifferent reaction to her words evoked something like an emotion. My body was shaking and, for some reason, my health seriously deteriorated. For several days, I had not left the house, fearing that I would have that strange attack again. However, Liz soon persuaded me to take a short walk in our favorite park. There were always few people around, which we really liked. Liz suddenly stopped for a moment and then fell to the ground unconscious. My heart was beating fast and my body got tense, but I felt neither fear nor panic. I touched her hair and it was very hot. This was heat stroke. I dragged my friend into the shade, wetted her head with water from a bottle, and ran for help since I forgot my phone at home and Liz's phone was dead. I rushed to a young couple, asking for help, but this looked like a stupid prank because there were no emotions on my face. I spoke in a calm and steady manner without any panic and tears, but the guy and the girl just laughed at me and began to look around searching for a hidden camera or any viewers. I couldn't even shout at them angrily, which made me powerless. Then I literally began to pull them towards Liz, but everything was in vain. Having run around half the park, I realized that I could not find help. After returning to my friend, I found that she was still unconscious. Suddenly, I felt dizzy. Everything went dark, and there appeared a painful lump in my throat. I felt worse every minute. I got down on my knees next to her, and tears were flowing down my cheeks, but my mind was still cold. Fortunately, a woman who was passing by noticed us and immediately called an ambulance. Doctors arrived quickly and took both of us to the hospital. I was immediately sent to a specialist who had been monitoring my condition since childhood. He was shocked by what he saw during an examination. The reaction of my body was caused by such a strong surge of emotions that they overcame the block. 
Everything that I experienced in the park, being next to Liz, was just a tiny part of what an ordinary person can feel. However, for me, it turned out to be a very serious blow. The doctor said that I should undergo treatment in order to better understand what was going on with me. Later, my parents came to the hospital. The doctor started telling them about a complex surgery that hypothetically could relieve the symptoms of alexithymia. But then I would get a severe emotional shock, and it is highly probable that it could lead to death. Of course, they were against it, although this outcome did not frighten me at all. The doctor also suggested a therapy with which the block could be slightly weakened, but the process itself was going to be incredibly difficult for me. The principle of the treatment was simple. It was supposed to evoke such strong feelings in me, due to which emotions would gradually overcome the block in the cerebral cortex. All this was supposed to be accompanied by severe weakness and headaches. I realized that it would be hard and even painful, but agreed anyway. Every few days, doctors tried to evoke a variety of emotions in me, from incredible joy to terrible sadness, and this began to bear fruit. When my parents or Liz came to my ward, I felt a bit better, although I could not express this. As a result, after several months of treatment, I developed something like a mood, but this still cannot be called emotions. Now I am having a break between therapies, so I returned home. Liz advised me to start a blog for alexithymia patients and show by my own example that it is possible to fight such a disease. My friendship with her is even stronger now. She often comes to visit me with new coloring books, and I notice that I smile unintentionally when I see her, which gives me hope that soon I will become a normal person. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... Hi, my name is Agatha, and I want to tell you the story of how my father tried to get me into the military academy. But before I start, please subscribe to the channel and like my videos. It all started on that day, when Rob and I were playing Mario Kart at my house. As it always happens, we completely forgot about time. What time is it? I asked worriedly. Two o'clock, why? Oh crap, you have to go now. We had, by my count, about ten minutes. Unless, of course, Dad decided to stop at the store to get his favorite muffins. Before we could get our heads together, we heard the front door creak. Honey, I'm home. There was a look of horror on my face. Rob didn't understand anything and was about to say something, but I put my index finger to his lips. Hey! I yelled back at my dad. You're early today! I heard him turn on the TV. I whispered, leave, but be quiet. What happened? Rob also asked in a whisper. My dad hates all my boyfriends. He's also a retired officer and has guns. The kid got worried. All your boyfriends? How many of them did you have? If you're so interested, not many. You'd better worry about my dad not making a sieve out of you. He's got a real temper. Okay. Rob reluctantly agreed. I left the room and quickly made my way down the stairs. I walked up to my dad and put my arm around his shoulders. How was school? He asked, not looking away from the screen. 
Rob, meanwhile, was still upstairs. What an idiot! To give the boy a sign, I said loudly, Okay, just hope someone comes downstairs. What? Dad turned around and stared at me like I was crazy. I mean, the exams. I should study more. Oh, that's right. I turned my head and saw Rob walking slowly down the stairs. Can you go any slower? I thought to myself. My father was about to turn to me, but I exclaimed in time. What a kick! Nothing special. They're playing like a bunch of monkeys today. There was a rumbling sound behind me. Rob stumbled and tumbled down the stairs. I screamed. My father jumped up from his chair and quickly grabbed the bat that was always in the corner of the room. That's when Rob got really scared and realized he had to get out of the room as quickly as possible. He jumped up from the floor and ran out of the house. Dad rushed after him. Stop, you miserable thief! I, not wanting to be the reason Rob ends up in the hospital, yelled out to my father. Wait, he's not a thief! It's Rob! Dad stopped and looked at me. Even though he was silent, I knew exactly what he was thinking. That night, I got to hear it all. I told you not to bring guys here. In fact, you're not allowed to have a boyfriend. They stick to you like flies. It's not good. And all that kind of stuff. Then dad added, If I ever see you with a boy again, I'll send you to military school. What? I was really surprised to put it mildly. Yeah, you're a loose cannon. You need discipline. And I think I've been too easy on you. But that's ridiculous. Mom wouldn't let that happen. You leave your mother out of this. Dad went back to the TV. I slammed the door and hid in my room. That's just great! I complained loudly. Now I feel like I'm in prison! I needed someone to talk to right away, so I texted Sam. SOS, help me out! A minute later, I got a reply. What's up? I'm on a date! That's amazing! I exclaimed. There are dates and boys all around me, and I need to stay away from it. It was real torture. The next day at school, I grabbed Sam's hand and took her to the bathroom. Ow, that hurt. My friend was angry, but she obediently followed me. When we went to the bathroom, I checked to see if anyone was in there. It was empty. Then I said, actually, I needed your help yesterday. I wanted to respond, but Kevin, I don't want to hear anything. My life is a nightmare. What's wrong? Nothing, except that yesterday, my dad almost beat Rob with a bat. He also told me not to go out with boys or he'll send me to the military academy. Wow. Yeah, that's right. I can't give up boys, but I'm not much of a soldier either. They'll cut my hair off. I can't handle that. What are you going to do? Actually, I wanted to ask you. I needed some good advice. Sam thought for a few minutes and then she exclaimed, Bingo! I've got it! Sam's plan was pretty simple. I needed to bring back my musical past. I used to play the piano and now I need to pretend to give lessons. Instead, I would be able to go on dates without causing much suspicion from my father. Not bad, except I'm not that good at piano. You don't have to play. Just say you were asked to help. My father fell for my story when I told him about my plans. It's a good idea, he said in his usual mentor voice. Maybe you should keep practicing because you quit so abruptly and you might make a little extra money. It's a start. 
I was very happy. Now it was necessary to make a schedule and assign a specific time to each guy. Adam would take Wednesday, after 4. That's about the time he gets off practice. And we could go to the movies. I scheduled Andrew for Friday, 5 o'clock. He promised to take me bowling. And even though I couldn't play, it should be fun. That leaves Liam. I saved Sunday for him. My only day off. We don't do anything special with Liam. Just hang around town or sit in front of a store and make up funny nicknames for people. Usually the lesson lasted an hour, but I told my dad that I managed to get the slowest students together. And they needed more time. So I could stay for like three hours. I mean, have you ever seen a movie that lasts an hour? And then there's travel time and hugging. I'd have to multitask. Now it's time to tell you how it was put into practice and what happened in the end. On Wednesday, I prepared in advance. I gathered all my old music notebooks and came up with a cover-up story. What do you have today? My father asked me as I came down the stairs, carrying my music books under my arm and trying to cram them into my backpack as I passed him. There's a girl from China. They just arrived and her mother wants her to take some music lessons. Hmm, well, good luck with that. I kissed my dad on the forehead and went over to Kim's. I mean, to Adam. We were supposed to meet at the box office in the movie theater. I had to carry my backpack everywhere, but it wasn't such a high price to pay for trying to somehow avoid military school and another fight with my dad. The no dating option seemed absurd to me, and I didn't even consider it. We only live once, you know. I was a little late. Adam muttered something to himself, but I safely ignored his frustration. A respectable girl is never on time. Who told you that? I read it somewhere. The movie was lousy. Adam kept trying to make jokes, and he wasn't very good at it. We kept getting shushed and we were asked to behave. About halfway through the movie, I said I had to go out for a minute. Okay, Adam said. I walked out of the theater and went home. The next day, Sam asked, How was it? It could have been worse. We could have been forced out of there. Okay, first time didn't go very well. On Friday, Andrew and I went bowling. Of course, to my father, Andrew was an Andrew. And Pauline was another lost soul who wanted to learn how to play Mozart and Beethoven. Bowling turned out to be even worse than the movies. I couldn't do it at all, which made me angry. And Andrew kept saying, I don't understand. It's so easy. You pick it up and drop it. He decided to show me how to do it and got a strike. See, it's easy. Well, if that's the case, we're not going to make it. I hate bowling in general. It's an old man's game. I took my backpack and ran. I was getting desperate. There was still Liam, but he and I were more like friends. All our communication was limited to trolling random passersby. But on Saturday, the day before we were supposed to meet, the guy texted. I have an idea. It's a surprise. I was in anticipation of either a grandiose disaster or something really interesting. Turns out, Liam had bought two tickets to the Dolphinarium. I didn't know we had such a place. I was surprised. Yeah, we have a lot of interesting places in town. The show was amazing. The dolphins did all kinds of tricks. Jumped through hoops, juggled balls. It was much more interesting than that dull drama that Adam took me to. And bowling? Andrew's stupid initiative. I didn't notice how or when, but Liam took my hand. I looked at him and blushed slightly. That day confirmed one fundamental truth. 
Sooner or later, quantity converts to quality. All I had to do was survive two disappointing dates. But even now, we couldn't resist and began to observe people in the crowd and make up amusing stories about them. Look, I pointed to a man in tight white pants with lush hair. Former jockey. Yeah, got hurt when he fell off a horse. Lives with his mother now and goes shopping in his old minivan. That was a good one, so it was Liam's turn. Over there, see? He's like, he's got a menacing face, like he's ready to pounce. And that's when I saw my father. He was looking right at us, and he didn't look happy. It's time to get out of here. On the way, I explained to Liam what happened. Weird, he summed up. Yeah, I'm afraid to imagine what's waiting for me at home. But I couldn't figure it out, what my father was doing at the Dolphinarium. I expected anything, shouting, accusations of lies, threats. But when I entered the house, my father didn't say a word. The next day, he calmly announced that he had submitted my papers to military school. My worst nightmare was coming true. No amount of tears or persuasion had any effect on dad. I locked myself in my room and didn't want to leave. Suddenly, out of the blue, someone came to the rescue. Liam texted me. Look, I think I have a solution to your problem. I sneaked out of the house and went to the place Liam had picked. He, without any greeting, said, It's a strange coincidence. I never told you about my father, but he's the director of the military school. The one where your dad wants to send you. A glimmer of hope. I spoke to him and he said he would help you. How? I don't know, but don't worry, my father will think of something. A week later, a letter came from the academy and much to my delight, I got a rejection. My father was shocked. He even wanted to fight with the management, but after a while, he cooled off. I told him more about Liam. I explained that it wasn't a fling and my dad decided he'd give us a chance. So I didn't get into the military academy. That's a good thing. I would have been the worst student in the history of the institution. Have you ever been able to get out of a bad situation? Tell me about it in the comments. I woke up to a loud pop. Frightened, I called out for my boyfriend. Tom, Tom! But Tom wasn't there, so I had to find out what had happened. I cautiously looked through the window. I saw my boyfriend coming down the drain pipe, and some girl was loading bags into it. One of the bags burst, and our family jewels scattered all over the pavement. You can't imagine how shocked I was. Tom, what's going on? I yelled. The guy, meanwhile, jumped to the ground, walked over to the girl, and kissed her defiantly. Then he shouted, I used you to steal your family's money. The whole world came crashing down at the same moment. Tears rolled down my face. Stop. You probably don't know what's going on at all, do you? Let me start from the beginning. My name's Lissa. My parents own a huge factory. And we're rich. Very rich. How did I meet Tom? And why didn't I realize right away that he was pretending to steal our mansion? One day, I was walking through the mall with my friend Lily. We walked from store to store until we reached the most expensive boutique in town. The name spoke for itself. Luxury. Once inside, we immediately noticed the stunning shoes. Gold color, decorated with rhinestones. Unbelievable! The price was not significant, 
$200,000. But I fell in love with them at first sight. So without thinking twice, I took the shoes to the checkout counter. I was greeted there by a guy with the name Tom on his badge. Did you see the price? He asked in surprise. Yes, $200,000. Here's the credit card. Tom almost dropped his jaw as he processed my purchase. He packed my shoes very carefully, and Lily and I headed for the exit. Suddenly, Tom called out to us in an uncertain voice. Excuse me, I'm going to finish soon. Would you like to have some coffee? Lily and I looked at each other, and then, without even turning around, we laughed out loud. We found the idea of going out for coffee with an ordinary salesman hilarious. My friend and I said goodbye in the parking lot. As I was driving down the highway, in my rearview mirror, I noticed a suspicious car that seemed to be following me. Even pulling into the grounds of my mansion, I saw the same car drive by slowly. Maybe it was just a coincidence, and he was on his way. I walked into the house, a huge mansion on the outskirts of town. Already in the bedroom, I unpacked my purchase. I twirled in the shoes in front of the mirror for a while. Very beautiful. I wish I could have gone to school in them and wowed everyone. Even though my family was one of the richest in town, I still had to go to an ordinary school with children from poor families. Unfortunately, there were no other schools in the area. Oh, what a contingent it was. For example, the next day while I was walking down the hall, some nitwit shoved me, which caused the books I was carrying to scatter all over the floor. What a jerk! I gritted through my teeth. I agree. Someone handed me one of the books. I looked up and saw the cashier from the store. Tony? I asked in surprise. Tom, actually. Actually, I don't care. I'm new here. Can you show me around the school? I laughed out loud without another word. Carried on with my business. At the end of the day, there was a nasty surprise waiting for me in the parking lot. One of my tires was flat. Oh, crap. Wow, that looks like a serious puncture. Tom whistled. It was like he'd appeared out of thin air. I was not in the mood and barked. Piss off. Okay, just wanted to help you with changing the tire. Wait. <sighs> I sighed heavily. The spares in the trunk. Tom jacked the car up and replaced the tire. He did it easily, like he'd been doing it since he was a kid. When he was done, the guy asked me, how about a cup of coffee now? Just for a little while? I only said yes because he helped me. Tom nodded and jumped in the car. We drove to a coffee shop nearby. At first, Tom struck me as very chatty, but I had to admit, his stories were very funny. One of them made me laugh so hard, <laughs> I even got coffee coming out of my nose. After the cafe, I volunteered to give Tom a ride home, but he politely declined. I shook my hands, started the car, and drove off. I could forget about the meeting, but at dinner, I accidentally spilled grape juice on the white tablecloth, and in the red stain spreading across the table, I suddenly saw Tom's face. There were his cheekbones, his forehead, his funny ears. I admired the stain and sighed languidly. My mother's voice brought me back to reality. Maybe you can help me take off the tablecloth. Okay, mom. I spent the rest of the evening cleaning the stain and thinking about Tom. This had never happened to me before. I think I'm in love. When I met Lily at school the next day, I told her everything. My friend frowned, 
That Tom came out of nowhere. Don't you think that's weird? You're right. I should have gotten some information about him. Lily was worried about me. She was my best friend, and she was the only one who could deal with my hot temper. And what was our surprise? When we met Tom again outside the school, in his hand, he held a glass of coffee. Here, your favorite, with almond syrup, I remembered. The guy winked. Oh, thanks, but Lily and I have to run. I grabbed a glass, and my friend and I quickly left. I needed a break to find out who this Tom really was. So at night, I planned to check all social media and find out more about him, but not until after the gym, which I did every Wednesday. I stayed a little longer than usual that day, so I had to walk through the dark parking lot to get to my car. Just when I was opening the door, I heard a whistle. When I turned around, I saw the figure of a huge boogeyman emerge from the semi-darkness. He muttered, Beautiful car. Must be expensive. His stone gave me a good scare. I wanted to run away, but my legs stopped responding. I'll call the police. But it wasn't so easy to scare the man. He had already stretched out his arms to grab me. I squeezed my eyes shut with fear. But a few seconds passed and nothing happened. I cautiously opened my eyes and saw Tom. Next to the guy was the defeated boogeyman lying on the pavement. He was shaking his fist and screaming in pain. Come on, let's get out of here, shouted my savior. You, you saved me, I whispered. Tom put me in the passenger seat and he jumped behind the wheel. The car screeched out of the parking lot. I told Tom the address of my house. When we pulled up outside the mansion, the guy exclaimed, Wow, this house is huge. While he admired the mansion, I admired him. It was great that he'd saved me and brought me home unharmed. Tom started to say something, but I didn't listen. I clung to my savior and kissed him. Tom hugged me and we kissed for a few more minutes. However, it was time to say goodbye. At home, I couldn't stop thinking about my Prince Charming and I fell asleep with a smile on my lips. So, did you find out who Tom really is? Lily asked me the next morning. Yes, he's my hero. My savior. My friend was confused when she heard me say that, but I didn't have time to go into details. I wanted to see Tom as soon as possible. So, I invited him over to my house for dinner. Come over tonight, and I'll show you around the mansion. I'm sorry, but I'm not ready to meet your parents yet. He hesitated. Don't worry, they're gone for the weekend. Tom closed his locker, smiled, and nodded. In the evening, I met him on the doorstep, and we had a real tour of my house. We visited almost every room. But for some reason, that study interested him the most. He was looking around with a keen eye. He was especially interested in my dad's safe. Tom kept looking at it and then suddenly started asking strange questions. When did your mom and dad meet? When were you born? And your parents? I was glad that Tom wanted to know more about me and my family. So I gladly answered all of his questions. After the tour, I invited the boy over to the table. We ate and chatted happily, and then Tom poured me my favorite grape juice. I was extraordinarily lucky to meet you here to our meeting, and you, bottoms up. Wonderful toast, Tom. We clanked glasses, and I drank the juice. Suddenly, my phone rang. It was Lily. I had to leave the table, go up to my room and answer it. My friend was really hysterical. She was screaming, I checked it out. Tom the burglar! No way! 
I couldn't hear another word. My ears were ringing, my eyes were getting blurry, and my legs buckled, and I fell down. The last thing I remembered was Tom's sly smile, and the rest you already know. When I woke up, my head was literally pounding. Of course, the creep had put something in my glass. Tom had bagged everything he could find, and now he was about to flee the scene of the crime with his girlfriend. I used you to steal your family's money. I felt so sorry for myself, but wanting to rip that bastard to shreds helped me pull myself together. Meanwhile, Tom and his girlfriend jumped in the car. I ran to my dad's office. The safe was open, and there were bills scattered around. So that's why Tom was asking all those questions. He wanted the password to the safe, and apparently, he had succeeded. I rushed downstairs to the main entrance. I opened the doors and saw Tom's car heading for the gate. Well, I'd have to give chase. I wouldn't want to give up everything that belonged to my family that easily. But the tire of my car was flat again. It was in the same place it had been in the parking lot. Now I knew. Tom had a whole plan to lure me into his web. He slashed my tire outside the school. And that bouncer didn't just show up at the gym. Tom had sent him too. That bastard had to do everything he could to get me to like him. Well, he succeeded. He had me wrapped around his finger so easily. I ran out into the road in a panic. But all I had to do was to watch the crook's car leave the grounds of the mansion. Exhausted, I sat down on the pavement and wept bitterly. Suddenly, the sound of a police siren was heard somewhere nearby. This was my last chance to set things right. As I ran out the gate, I saw Tom and his girlfriend being detained by the police. Standing next to the police car was my Lily. My friend rushed toward me. Are you okay? I am now. Did you call the cops? Yes, right after the call. We hugged. I was so grateful to Lily for being there for me. You're lucky. The robber took a long time with the safe and didn't have time to get away, said the policeman who came up to us. Thank you, officer. I walked over to the patrol car. Tom was sitting in the backseat handcuffed. He looked at me with eyes full of hate. I smiled and waved. The police left, and Lily and I went back to my place to celebrate my rescue. By the way, that story had taught me something. After I'd almost lost everything, I realized that I was worthless on my own. So it's time for me to change. I'm learning to be kinder and better, and Lily's helping me do that. What life events made you change? It would be great if you could tell me your story in the comments. And don't forget to like this video and subscribe to the channel. Bye! When I was basking in glory, the moment I saw my name placed first in a scientific model design contest, suddenly, Sungoku crushed me. Oops, I mean, Zack, the president of the Otaku Club with the Sungoku cosplay. Ouch! Traveling by clouds has made you forget how to walk? Zack hastily helped me up and replied in a panic. Sorry, man. It's because the basketball team is chasing after me. Huh? Why? They hate this outfit. Don't tell anyone you see me, okay? After saying that, he immediately ran away. Jeez, what a weird club. They were always bullied for cosplaying at school, but they never gave it up. Hi, I'm Min, 17 years old. Ever since I was a kid, I've set a goal to win a full scholarship to Columbia University. That was the first step for me to become a famous businesswoman. I didn't have any friends as all of my time was spent studying. Well, who cares about making friends anyway? Being number one made me feel happy enough. <laughs> However, there were many obstacles on my way of achieving my dreams. 
One day, the principal suddenly called me into the office and announced a shocking news. Min, I'm sorry to say that you are not qualified for the Columbia Uni Scholarship. What the frog? My whole world fell apart when I heard that. Immediately, I rushed to confront the principal. He quickly explained. Apparently, it's because you're not involved in any community activity. So what? You see, Columbia Uni only accepts students with outstanding academic results and profound achievements in community activities. Then he suggested that I join a school club to improve my performance and get them to consider changing their mind. <gasps> community skills? I wasn't good at that. However, in order to get into Columbia Uni, I was willing to do anything. From that day on, I started looking for the right club for me. Unfortunately, most of the clubs were full and there weren't too many choices left. Cooking club? I didn't even know how to use a knife. Ushery? Jeez, sounded violent. Ah, here it is. Presentation club, the most successful club in the school. I was made for this. I immediately reached out to Dove, the club's president, but in response, she just smirked sarcastically. Sure, I'll consider it, only if you destroy the model in your last competition. Damn it, Dove was still bitter about losing to me. Of course, I couldn't agree to something so ridiculous like that. In my anger, I accidentally pushed her down. The two of us got into a fight and only stopped when the principal suddenly appeared. Dove quickly fled from the scene and left me behind to suffer from his scoldings. Anyways, have you joined any club yet? My head felt like it was going to explode because time was running out but I still didn't know what to do. At that moment, Zack, the president of the otaku club, passed hmm. by. I quickly pulled him back. Don't worry sir, I've already joined the otaku club. I'll make it the most popular at school. I like your spirit, man. The principal pleasantly left while Zack looked at me like I just screwed two heads. But after I explained everything, he happily welcomed me. Actually, the otaku club was the last place in my mind. They spent too much time goofing around in my opinion. For someone who had big ambitions like me, it was a waste of time. They even had a monthly cosplay day on the 25th. People would make fun of me for that. What could I do? It was my only choice now. The next day, I had my first club's meeting. O.M.G. They had only five members and all were boys. I was the only girl there. They all seemed very happy to see me and kept asking about my interest in anime. Do you like Chainsaw Man? Girls like cosplay more, right? What about games based on anime? Do you like it? I was bewildered and could only stutter. In the end, Zack had to come to the rescue. It might be overwhelming at first, but don't worry, just relax and have fun. Then he suddenly put an otaku badge on my shirt. <gasps> Welcome to our club, Minsan. Let's be good friends. Making friends? Those words were never in my dictionary before, but they didn't sound too bad. In the days that followed, I started to get closer to the club members. Although normally I had no idea what they were talking about, I still felt warm inside whenever they were nice and friendly towards me. We went through bunches of anime, manga, and games together. I must say that it was actually more fun than I thought! However, troubles arose on the 25th of that month. According to the tradition, the whole club would have to cosplay one anime character to school on that day. It was my first time doing this, so I was terrified. Don't worry, you'll look pretty in every outfit. 
but indeed what I feared happened. When I cosplayed as Natsuko in Demon Slayer, every student stared at me and laughed non-stop. And of course, the one who laughed the loudest was none other than Dove. Grayson, her boyfriend, and also the captain of the basketball team, who hated otaku, wasted no chance to mock me. <laughs> Another freak showed up. Men, have they converted you into their cult? While everyone was laughing, the otaku members suddenly came over to protect me. Stay away from Minsan! Grayson quickly grabbed Zack by the collar. Why don't you run away like usual, freak? Seeing that a fight was about to break out, I immediately hit the fire alarm causing the water to spray everywhere. Everyone got wet and hurriedly left. That fateful event had made me burning with the desire to bring recognition to my otaku friends so that we wouldn't be bullied anymore. And to do that, we must participate in the annual Worldwide Japan Expo event. Winning there would get us a huge amount of respect. To achieve our goal, we work together to make a really cool cosplay outfit of Kokomi in Genshin Impact. And I, the only girl in the club, was chosen to wear it. A few days before the event, the principal suddenly called me into his office and announced an important news. Congratulations, Min! The Columbia Uni has just decided to leave the community skills out of their scholarship requirement. They'd love <gasps> to interview you. Before I could scream happily, he hit me with another shocking news that the interview date was on the 25th. It coincided with the Japan Expo cosplay contest. I could only choose one of them. That night, I couldn't get a wink of sleep. I didn't want to disappoint my club friends, but I also couldn't forsake this lifetime opportunity. In the end, I chose to follow my dream. After that day, I quietly huh? separated huh? myself from huh? the club no matter how much they, they tried to talk to me. Without them, I felt strangely lonelier and sadder than I thought. Time went by and the interview day finally arrived. I nervously walked into the interview room to find a serious man who was introduced to be the Columbia Uni's representative. He suddenly asked me, Min? What do you think makes you happy? Because I was too worried, my sweat came out like I was taking a shower. When I put my hand in my pocket to find a <gasps> tissue, I suddenly touched something familiar. It was the otaku batch that Zack gave me. Min, do you hear the questions? What makes you happy? It's my friend, sir. I blurted out the first thing that came to my mind. Finally, I knew that I had been missing this the whole time. I quickly apologized to everyone in the interview room and rushed to the Japan Expo. Thank god, Zack and everyone were still there waiting for me. I embarrassedly apologized to them and told them the reason why I left the club, but to my surprise, they smiled. I wish you had told us sooner, cause whatever path you choose, we'll support you. We're friends, and friends stick together. So I quickly put on the Kokomi outfit that my friends had worked so hard to prepare for me. I walked on the stage full of confidence while they were cheering wildly. In the end, we won third place. I was no longer number one, but somehow, I felt happier than ever. Zack came up to the stage to congratulate me and suddenly gave me a pat on the cheek. How kawaii! Who said otaku boys aren't bold? And luckily, my honest answer gave me another chance to interview with the Columbia Uni. Yay! Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by...